Hi, it's Cammy Chris Kamara, and you are listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. They are unbelievable. Good afternoon, good morning, and good evening from wherever you are listening from, and welcome to episode 48 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. I am your co-host, Jamie Robinson. Now, this is the fifth instalment of the series, Trinity Trailblazers. If you haven't heard any of the content in the series before, we take you back in time to an era where the players were world-renowned, but they may have been forgotten about now. I'm sure you've heard of the likes of the names of Gareth Ellis, Johnny Thompson, Neil Fox and Derek Turner. But have you heard of the likes of Ernest Bennett, Mick Exley or Herbert Kershaw? Don't worry, as neither had I before our research, but the Trinity Trailblazers series will define and highlight the true legends of our club from an era that seems light years ago. But before we do that, I'll introduce you to my ever-present co-host, my dad, Trinity Heritage himself, Lee Robinson. Welcome, Dad. What's been happening in the world of Trinity Heritage this week? Hello, welcome to this week's uh, podcast. Um, not a lot, really. Uh, we, we went to the Magic Weekend last week. Um, we were sulking for a few days after that. So when we came around, we've started to put into place our uh, Past Players Legends Day. We, we're keen on that. Every year we try, we've missed a couple of years because of COVID, but every year we try to have one, one day a year when as many past players um, come back as we can for a game. Uh, this year's game is against Catalan on the 7th of August. And we're trying to round up every player, as many players as we can who's played first team already. Um, I've had four or five people contact me already who've never been before. Some I've never met before. So that's really good. So uh, that'll be really exciting on the 7th. Um, plus this week... Um, well, it was last week when we were uh, talking, we went on the Hulk AI podcast, the Red Robin, which we're looking at last Sunday's game. So that was a, a, a treat going on there, being invited on their podcast. Excellent stuff. And, and have you heard, have you put much of anything of interest on, on the social media heritage sites at the minute? It's all been a little bit quiet. Obviously, I do like my What's Day in History uh, segment, but there's, there's not a lot happening in, in July in, in before the Super League years. So I've started a season review at the last week. Um, I quite like those. I've gone through all my old scrapbooks and programmes and every day putting on clippings, match report or something that happened in chronological order through a certain season. And, and this season, I picked this week, I've picked 1988-89. Big... Uh, uh, a big favourite of mine, it's when Mike Graham and Steve Ella came. So if you're a fan of Facebook and Twitter, have a log on, have a look and relive some memories of that 88-89 season. Now we'll go on to the Trinity Trailblazers. One of probably our favourite kind of instalment segment that we do that isn't an interview and we highlight players from the past that may not be as well known, but this time we've doubled up again um, and we're doing the likes of Bill Horton and Mick Exley. So, Dad, just tell us initially why, why them two and why together? I picked them together. Ideally, you could have done um, a podcast all on their own, but some of their early years were just hard to research. But I put these two together because their careers went hand in hand and they're probably the greatest second row pair in our history. They both play for Yorkshire, both play for England, both play for Great Britain, and we're both Great Britain Lions tourists as well. They've got a combined total of 900 games over their combined 32 years at the club, and they were our second row pair for nine years throughout the 1930s. Brilliant stuff. That's some total. Where does their appearance records put them in our appearance history? They're fourth and fifth in the all-time appearance list. Uh, Mick Exley played 451. 
Bill Horton played 449. Uh, and they're behind Harry Wilkinson, Neil Fox, and um, AK Neely Crosslander, we've talked about in the past. So they're fourth and fifth in our all-time records of and we've had 1428 players in our in our um, history. Wow, superb stuff. Who came first and, and what was his story? Bill Horton was the oldest. Um, he was he was uh, signed in 1924, he, he, uh, five years before Exley. He came from Nottingley, just down the road near Pontefract, and played for the Notting, <coughs> Nottingley junior team. And he went straight in the first team, making his debut on the first game of the season in August 1924. Um, Big Keithley, 13-9. This was the era of Jonty Parkin, Billy Batten, so he had some real good players by his side. Uh, within 13 games, he'd won a Yorkshire Cup medal. Uh, we beat Batley 9-8 in the final. I always find this a special cup final, as it was the only thing we won in the 1920s, and it was John T. Parkin's one and only club winner's medal with Trinity. Um, but throughout that throughout that season, Horton had to turn into a strong-running, pacey second rower. That's what he signed as, as a second rower. So it was a, quite a good, wide-running second rower in, uh, in, in his early days. Good stuff. I understand Bill Horton is, is one of our most decorated representative players as well. He is. Um, it's, it's difficult these days to get de de decorated too too much in the representative scene because Yorkshire's gone, the county championships have gone, there's not many internationals. But back in the 20s and 30s, there were a lot. Um, so Bill Hortons had numerous caps for Yorkshire, England and Great Britain throughout the 1920s and 1930s. Um, his Trinity career is literally littered with representative honours and he holds the record for a Trinity player for most county appearances ever. He's played for Yorkshire on 20 occasions between 1926 and 1936 and that includes Neil Fox and John T. Parkin as well. So he's a regular for 11 years in that Yorkshire side uh, and international honours soon followed after his uh, Yorkshire team, as Yorkshire game as well. He was only 19 when he made his debut for Yorkshire in 1926. Stuff and like we, you know, briefly touched on it. He's, he must be quite decorated in the international stage too. Yes, um, we've often mentioned, or I've often mentioned in the past, the nineteen twenties were very barren years for Trinity. We didn't. We, we won one Yorkshire Cup. We had the Great Britain captain in John T. Parkin, but we were always low down the leagues. So when anybody got representative honours, they must have been quite good. Uh, and in 1927-28, Bill Orton had a, a, a phenomenal season. Because um, he, he was a wide-running um, second rower and with a great work rate, uh, he got picked uh, for the 1928 tour trials. Now, the tour trials were big representative honours as well because they picked the best of the best and they played them against each other. It was either probables against possibles or the reds against the whites. And Bill Orton scored a hat-trick in one of the trial games. So he was straight into the Great Britain line side for the 1928 tour down under. And he went to Australia on the boat. And he was sensational out there because the grounds in Australia Australia, were a lot drier and a lot harder. So when he got going out wide, he was he had a sensational tour. And he played in all, all the test matches, um, all six test matches against Australia and New Zealand, bringing home the Ashes in 1928. He repeated this in 1932, and he became only the second player to do so, and only the third in our history. So we've only ever had three players who've been on um, two... Um, Great Britain uh, Lions tours. John T. Parkin was the first, Bill Orton the second, and then Harry Murphy was the third. Uh, and in 1932, it was just as phenomenal. The dry ground still suited him. He played in all the test matches out there against the Australians and the Kiwis. Um, he also played a couple of test matches uh, when Australia came here in 1933. So he actually finished with 14 Great Britain test caps, and there's only John T. Parkin and Neil Fox that's played more. 
And he also played uh, five times for England as well in the early days of the European Championships, making his debut in 1928. So, yes, when he came to Yorkshire and um, Great Britain, um, he's up there. He was a really phenomenal player and uh, really liked by the uh, international selectors. So on his, on his return from the first tour, this is when he met and teamed up with Mick Exler for the first time. Yeah, Bill Orton had been playing five years before Mick actually came. So there's, a, there's a, I think there's a five-year gap between them. I think uh, six years, I think Horton was 24 and Mick actually was 18 when actually joined. Uh, Mick actually was actually from Bellevue. So he actually grew up in the, in the whether it was a village back in the 20s. And Bellevue, Trinity's ground was on the doorstep. He actually went to school in the St. Catherine School. And if you're somebody my age, you remember the St. Catherine School was the school behind the East Stand back in the, back in the day. Uh, and it was the clubhouse and the changing rooms before they all got demolished in 1983. So Mick actually actually went to school there. Uh, he was more of a footballer and hardly played rugby uh, until until he got to his um, late school years. And he, he, he signed for Trinity in 1929. Uh, made his debut in April that year and played one game of that season. And then when the 1929-30 season started, him and Exley, with the, him and Horton, um, were the second row partners. Uh, as I say, Horton was 24 at the time, Exley 18. Um, and when Exley played, he was the second youngest player ever to play for Trinity at the time and the youngest ever forward. Superb stuff. So did, did Exley's uh, representative career mirror Horton's? In a way, they did. I don't think they, they played much together because Exley's career was winding down internationally as, as, as Exley's picked up. But Mick Exley, again, he played for Yorkshire, he played for England and he played for Great Britain. And he actually, he, he, when I say Great Britain, he, he, he played for Great Britain Lions. He, he went on the 1936 tour, but he didn't play any test matches. He got in the reserves. He got injured just before um, one test match. And there was a strong Wigan presence in that 1936 side, and he couldn't break into the um, into the side. Um, the, 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 there was an almighty pack. The, the England pack, Great Britain pack at that time were, were big and strong. And um, because of the sun and the thickness of Exley, of, of the Australian um Summer, uh, he actually had lost a lot of weight and he couldn't break into that Great Britain side because he wasn't big enough. But he played a lot of games in the um, in the in the in the midweek. He played thirteen games in the midweek side. Um, he also played ten times for Yorkshire between nineteen thirty-two and thirty-eight, and three times for England as well. And at this era, they had lots of rugby league representative sides that went to France, um, trying to build up the game in France. And uh, Mick actually also went to France twice with a, a rugby league representative side. What were Trinity like in the 1930s? We've done a couple of podcasts around this time frame and we know it was kind of post John T. Parkin hangover, but, you know, these two playing together, we must have had some sort of impact. Strangely, it was poor again. The 1920s were poor and the 1930s were much better. And it's surprising when you look at the players we had, like your Parkins, like your Hortons, like your Exleys, and it's surprising we didn't do too well. We reached three Yorkshire Cup finals in the 1930s, 32, 34, 36, and lost them all. And we got to, in 1937, we got to a Challenge Cup semi-final and lost to Keithley after a, a nil-nil draw. So we didn't really win anything. We, 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 um, we didn't really success, were successful at all. We finished in the top 10 once in the 1930s, but more often than not, we were in the bottom half of the table. Um, critics couldn't understand it because we had a great pack. We had Harry Wilkinson alongside Exley and Horton, but I don't think we had a lot of money, so our backline was weak. So even though we had a good, strong forward line, we kept chopping and changing our backline. We had lots of juniors, we had lots of loan signings, trialists, and we couldn't get on a roll in the 30s until the latter end of the 30s, when Herbert Goodfellow joined, when her, her, uh, Billy Teal came from home, uh, Broughton Rangers, I think he came from Hull, lad. 
and that that was late in the late thirties before the war came. So yes, in the thirties we weren't brilliant really. So moving back to to Bill Orton, how did his career finish? And how did it wind down? He was our captain for a long time. He was our captain from for four or five years in the nineteen thirties. He was our pack leader, and he was our shining light for many years until he decided to retire in nineteen thirty eight. And strangely, he moved down south. He bought a hotel in Western Supermare in Somerset. And that's as big as moving to Australia now, moving down to Somerset in the 1930s. You know, this was a big occasion. Um, so it was despite his speed and his power in the pack, um, I also noticed he was only 12 stone, 12 stone seven at his peak, and he was five foot 11 and a half. So, you know, they didn't have BMIs in those days, but he certainly fits into the low category when you think he was a Great Britain forward, but only running, running out wide at 12 stone seven. Uh, he scored 75 tries in his time for the club. Uh, and until Br Len Bradley came along in the 40s, he was our top try scoring uh, forward ever. So, yes, he just wound down his career and, and moved down south to buy a hotel. Um, and Mick Exley's career lasted another eight years after that as well. He managed to uh, prolong his quite a little bit longer. He did. Well, he actually retired in 1940 as the war began. And, but because the war years were hard and we kept borrowing players and, and, and we had guest players, he, play, he actually played six games throughout the war years, just coming back and helping out. And then as the war finished in 1945, 1946, um, again, we were we had a good side. That was the year we won at Wembley, 1945-46. But we were brought out in retirement again. So six years after retiring, he was brought out. Um, he was wheeled back out again, pulled his boots back on, and he played in that epic 1945-46 season, and he won the Cup at Wembley. Uh, it was 34 then, but he retired a year later, uh, in, age 35, in uh, 1947. It's great that he managed to get a big, big trophy under his belt as well. And, you know, actually also went into the pub trade after he retired. It seemed to be a bit of a thing around, around this era, just to kind of uh, put, put your money into a pub. Yeah, just going back to actually, it is good. You know, they they actually, you know, all these guys they put they put years and years of effort in 400 first team games, and a lot of them didn't walk away anything individually from Trinity. So for Mick Exley to finish at Wigan, uh, finish at Wembley, beating Wigan is a wonderful story. And yeah, he retired. He went into the pub trade. Uh, he bought the Black Swan in Normington, and a lot of people still comment whenever I put pictures on Facebook of Mick Exley, they remember who he was and being the landlord of the Black Swan in Normington for many years. Over 900 appearances between these two legends, obviously their careers overlapped as well. That, that's some legacy. And, uh, and, you know, ignoring the kind of the, the 1960s golden generation, not, not too many legendary players would have played together for such a long period of time for us. Absolutely. And out of these 900 games that played between them, 350 of these were in the second row together, or sometimes Lawton, uh, Horton played at loose forward. But 350 games together is some phenomenal feat as well. Um, they're both members of our Hall of Fame. They both went in early. Uh, Mick actually went in our first eight in 2014 when we picked Parkin and Fox and Poynton and Turner and Topless. Uh, Mick actually went in that, in that first eight. And then when we had our second uh, round of uh, Hall of Fame inductees in 2015, Bill Horton went in. So these are both Hall of Famers who both went in in the early days. I think it's massively important that you, these guys are remembered and these podcasts are done and the Hall of Fame is done because I imagine until maybe even new research and these guys were just forgotten about. Yeah, anybody, probably my dad's age. Uh, my dad's in his 80s. He watched Trinity in the 40s. Even that, they've gone. So there's probably not many around who actually saw saw them play. 
I suppose Mick Exler played at Wembley in '46. I remember Ken Rollin, our our, our old boy um, who plays. He went to Wembley in '46. So there are a few people around in the '80s who will see Mick Exler play. But yeah, until we sort of um, brought these podcasts out or the heritage um, brought these to light, these old legends, these old boys are just probably forgotten unless you've got the old Trinity books and you read about them. Superb stuff. And there's an extra piece to mention about Mick Exley as well. A nice little uh, nugget of information. Yeah, many years ago, I've, I brought this conversation out many, many times. It's, I've, I've, I've told the story. Uh, a couple of years ago, um, one of the uh, um, volunteers at Trinity found an old scrapbook in one of the turnstiles. Why it was in the turnstiles, we'll never know. But there were just loads of pages in the scrapbook in a bag. And when I sort of looked at it and, and worked it all out, it was Mick Exley's personal scrapbook. And they're just a few pages put together. But basically, they had his t- he had his ticket from the 1946 game. They had some lovely pictures from his time in the 30s. There was a lot of pictures and programmes from France when he actually toured, toured there with that rugby league side. So I've still got it. I've still looked after it. And it was like, what, what a find. McExley's personal scrapbook. And uh, we've still got it in our archives just for his pictures, paper cuttings, photos, programmes, tickets. Uh, phenomenal stuff. Excellent stuff. And, and just kind of a closing note, if, if, um, if uh, you know, a, a casual Wakefield fan asked you about these two blocks, how would you kind of sum them up in terms of Wakefield history? Oh, the legends, actually. You know, when you when you look at, you know, it's like, how do you compare these guys to modern day guys? You look at Matty Ashurst and Jay Pitts, they're, they're not missing many games at the moment. They've played 20 successive games on the trot with each other side by side. These play 350. So you look at those, look at how some of our greatest second rowers when we've picked our, uh, when we're in the in the years gone by, when you've picked your greatest ever Wakefield side, sometimes these haven't been in. You know, you've you've had Bob Egg and why not? You've had Don Vines, you've had Brian Briggs, those guys from the sixties. But when you look at what these have done, if you actually picked, if you actually picked a thirteen, the best thirteen ever to play most games in a certain position, then these two are your second rowers. If you picked an all-time great Wakefield Trinity thirteen, would these two go in? I could put that. I could easily put them in. And there's an argument whether Bob Egg goes in as well. But when you look at when you look at what they've done and what their achievements were over there, um, you know, it's like a Horton signed in 1924, Exley retired in 1948. 24 years of uh, phenomenal stuff, really. Brilliant stuff. And, and thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 48 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast and the fifth instalment in the series of the Trinity Trailblazers highlighting the record-breaking duo of Hall of Famers Bill Horton and Mick Exley. For more updates on the history of Wakefield Trinity, follow us on Facebook under the Wakefield Trinity Heritage banner and Twitter at WT Heritage Pod. Thank you to my co-host, Lee Robinson. We will catch you all on Friday night, our third podcast this week. We're just trying to play a bit of catch-up with the, our newest instalment in the podcast in the new series, The Greatest Games, highlighting a 71-0 win against Leeds in 1945. Hope to catch you then. I've been Jamie Robinson, and we will both catch you down the road. Hi, it's Cammy Triscamara. You have been listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. It's unbelievable!